It can be hard to see the challenges that people we work with every day are going through. I'm Holly Robinson-Pete. Join us on The Visibility Gap, a new podcast presented by Cigna Healthcare. Download it wherever you get your podcasts. You know success when you see it. Or you think you do. The people in the spotlight. But what about those small business masterminds who succeed at making their money work harder? They do that by having a business bank account with QuickBooks Money which now earns 5% annual percentage yield. Making your money work as hard as you do, that's how you business differently. Learn more about QuickBooks Money at quickbooks.com slash 5APY. Banking services provided by Green Dot Bank. Member FDIC. Only funds and envelopes earn APY. APY can change at any time. At 93, she waged a war on J.P. Morgan and her own grandson. Beverly Schottenstein said two grandsons who managed her money at J.P. Morgan forged documents, ran up commissions with inappropriate trading, and made her miss tens of millions of dollars in gains. So she decided to teach them all a lesson. By Tom Schoenberg. Beverly Schottenstein was 93 years old when she decided to go to war with the biggest bank in the U.S. It was a June day and the Atlantic shimmered beyond the balcony of her Florida condominium. Beverly studied an independent review of her accounts as family and lawyers gathered around a table and listened in by phone. The document confirmed her worst fears. Her two financial advisors at J.P. Morgan Chase, who oversaw more than $80 million for her, had run up big commissions putting her money in risky investments they weren't telling her about. It was the latest red flag about the bankers. There had been missing account statements, document shredding, unexplained credit card charges. Although some relatives urged Beverly not to make waves, she was resolute. What the money managers did was wrong, she told the group. They needed to pay, she said, even though they were her own grandsons. And pay they did. With the help of her lawyers, Beverly dragged her grandsons and J.P. Morgan in front of arbitrators from the Financial Industry Regulatory Authority, or FINRA. She sought as much as $69 million. After testimony that spread over months and ended in January, the panel issued a swift decision in Beverly's favor. FINRA's arbitration process is private by design, and even when settlements are announced, few of the underlying allegations are made public. In a brief ruling on February 5th, the panel found the bank's J.P. Morgan Securities Unit and the brothers who worked there, Evan Schottenstein and Avi Schottenstein, liable for abusing their fiduciary duty and making fraudulent misrepresentations. The arbitrators also found the bank and Evan Schottenstein liable for elder abuse. It ordered J.P. Morgan and the bankers to pay Beverly $19 million between them, representing damages, legal fees, and the return of money invested in a private equity fund. What the panel's announcement doesn't reveal is the intergenerational financial struggle that culminated in Beverly taking on her grandsons and a deep-pocketed Wall Street bank. That battle emerges in financial documents, emails, correspondence, and testimony from the FINRA arbitration, as well as interviews with family members, security industry records, real estate filings, and other materials. Beverly and some of her relatives say they decided to discuss her situation to warn of the potential for elder abuse in every economic strata, and to draw attention to the major financial institution they say helped fuel it. They made a lot of money on me, those kids. A lot of money, Beverly said in an interview before the ruling. They had no right going that far with J.P. Morgan. J.P. Morgan had to stop them, but J.P. Morgan was doing pretty good also. 
The bank dismissed the brothers around the time Beverly filed her complaint and paid their legal fees in the FINRA dispute. These advisors are no longer with the firm, and their actions do not represent our values as a company, said Veronica Navarro, a bank spokeswoman. John Brennan, an attorney for the brothers, said Evan and Avi believe the ruling wasn't justified by the facts or the law. The money tensions were decades in the making. Beverly's late husband, Alvin Schottenstein, helped turn a family furniture chain in the Midwest into what's now a multi-billion dollar empire that has included Value City, Big Lots, designer brands, and American Eagle Outfitters. Beverly's part of the family cashed out of the business long ago. Evan and Avi became financial advisors and offered her their services. Their arrangement wasn't unusual. It's common and legal for money managers to work for relatives. Family money, in fact, often provides the seed for advisors to break into the business. What Beverly's story shows is just how far off the rails that kind of relationship can go. Although Beverly blamed her grandsons for breaking the rules, she also faulted J.P. Morgan for missing multiple chances to stop them. In her filings with FINRA, she alleged the bank reaped millions of dollars in commissions by moving her money in and out of investments inappropriate for a nonagenarian, while failing to supervise her grandsons and ignoring signs she was being financially exploited for almost five years. The tens of millions her lawyers sought largely represented investment gains they say she missed because her grandsons chose exotic investments over index funds and the Apple and Big Lots shares she once owned. The panel's ruling may not be the end of the matter. FINRA's enforcement arm, which has the authority to ban financial advisors, is also looking into the allegations, according to people familiar with the matter, who asked not to be identified discussing a non-public investigation. They said New York State investigators in Manhattan have requested information, too. In her FINRA complaint, Beverly alleged that her signature was forged on investment documents, potentially a criminal offense. The arbitration panel didn't directly address that allegation, and its ruling didn't specify how the bankers may have misrepresented themselves. Representatives for FINRA and the Manhattan District Attorney's Office declined to comment. J.P. Morgan, in FINRA filings, said it has no place in this family soap opera. It added that trading on Beverly's account made money, was reasonably supervised, and was in line with her stated investment strategy. She wasn't charged account management fees and received discounted trading commissions, it added. Evan Schottenstein, 39, was his grandmother's primary broker, which means he drew commissions investing her money. Evan said in filings that he acted in her interest. Avi, 33, was also a financial advisor. He told Fenra he provided administrative support to his older brother and wasn't involved in any alleged misconduct. Their lawyer, in a statement, said Beverly's accounts gained under Evans' management and were invested in full accordance with her wishes. Beverly's decision to go after her grandsons hit close to home. That's because one of her four children lives on the floor below hers. He's the father of Evan and Avi, who sometimes visit him. Avi was at the condo complex with his young son on the day in June 2019 when his grandmother decided to pursue arbitration. Beverly was sitting on her patio several floors above, watching relatives swim in the kidney-shaped pool below. Avi confronted one of his cousins, Kathy Schottenstein Puttup, who was poolside, she and Beverly said. He asked why Beverly wouldn't see him anymore and why she'd moved her account to another bank. Then he realized his grandmother was watching from above. He held his son out in front of him at arm's length, and then, according to Schottenstein Puttup, he yelled up to Beverly, Why are you letting lawyers rule your life? 
This is your blood. Mementos from Beverly's nine decades cover her condo's walls and tabletops. There are photos of Beverly and her late husband Alvin with their kids. A snapshot of Beverly and Alvin beaming with five toddler-aged grandchildren. Family was always close at hand, and at some point that may have become part of the problem. Now 94, Beverly moved to Florida from her longtime home in Columbus, Ohio, around 2009, settling into the condo in Bal Harbor, an affluent area just north of Miami Beach. A few years later, her son Bobby and his wife Carolyn moved into the unit below. It hadn't been planned that way. Beverly's brother had bought the downstairs unit, but died childless before he could move in. Beverly said she was surprised to learn her brother had signed the place over to Bobby before his death. It was yet another tie between Beverly and Bobby's family. Years earlier, Carolyn had suggested Beverly turn her financial portfolio over to Evan, then a young advisor at Citigroup Global Markets. Beverly recalls her daughter-in-law telling her, Let him go to work and you'll make a fortune. Beverly already had a fortune, by most standards. Alvin, her late husband, was one of four sons of Ephraim Schottenstein, an immigrant from Lithuania who sold overstock goods from a buggy before opening his first shop in Columbus in 1917. The sons expanded Schottenstein stores, with Alvin as its president, until his death in 1984. A half-decade later, Beverly and her children cashed out of the family business with a $90 million legal settlement, about $18 million each for Beverly and her four children. Relatives of one of Alvin's brothers kept expanding the Schottenstein retail business and wealth. They donated generously, putting the Schottenstein name on an Ohio State University arena, an addition of the Talmud, and an honors program and residence hall at Manhattan's Yeshiva University. Beverly's brood became, relatively speaking, the poorer side of the clan. Members of Bobby's family told relatives that he'd drained their share of the settlement by the time Evan hit high school. They blamed bad investments, according to FINRA testimony from Schottenstein Patap. Bobby and Carolyn declined to comment on the relatives' specific assertions. Evan and Avi graduated from Yeshiva, setting up in Manhattan apartments their grandmother had bought years earlier. Beverly, who had growing assets from her late husband, the settlement, and other shares, said she was fine with that, as long as her grandsons paid the management fees. And starting in 2006, Beverly waved off concerns from some members of her family and let Evan, then still in his 20s, manage some of her stocks. She entrusted more assets to him about three years later, when his unit was taken over by Morgan Stanley. There, Evan was joined by Avi, who was part of the firm's financial advisory training program. Evan scored another big break in early 2014. He called his grandmother to say that he'd landed a job at J.P. Morgan. He explained he could take her account with him and wouldn't charge commissions or fees, she recalled. Avi was moving over in a salaried role. Both would report to the same supervisory manager. Evan's job came with a $1.5 million signing bonus in the form of a forgivable loan. Beverly says she learned during arbitration just what made Evan and Avi so valuable. It was her money. At least 80% of the assets the brothers brought to J.P. Morgan to manage were hers, the arbitrators were told. The brothers' approach raised concerns with people close to Beverly. Schottenstein Puttup, a cousin of Evan and Avi, recalls a visit with her grandmother several years ago. The two walked across the street and shared a thin-crust cheese pizza at a local celebrity hangout. Beverly had barely paid her bill when her phone rang. It was Evan, scolding her for eating at a non-kosher restaurant. 
He was sitting in his office in New York with some kind of spending alert on her credit card, Schottenstein put up, surmised. It was strange. Beverly's caretaker also sounded an alarm. In 2018, Schottenstein Puttup was talking on the phone with her grandmother when the caretaker, Dawn Henry, told her about an unusual visit. Bobby and Evan, who had access to Beverly's private elevator and a key to the door off her back stairwell, would often show up unannounced, sometimes scolding Beverly for watching television on Shabbat. On this occasion, the caretaker told the granddaughter, the downstairs neighbors arrived with a paper shredder. They cleared out the drawers of papers, some with J.P. Morgan letterhead, and sat at the kitchen table, shredding, according to Henry. Beverly, in documents filed with FINRA, said they'd shredded documents there several times. J.P. Morgan told the FINRA panel that Beverly had complained the bank was sending too much paper. Evan told arbitrators that his grandmother had asked for his help clearing it out. Beverly's own worries grew, too. A check she wrote to the caretaker bounced. When she and Henry went to her local Chase Bank, J.P. Morgan's retail arm, to ask why, They said they were told there'd been too much activity on the credit card linked to her checking account. Puzzled, Beverly asked for printouts of several months of her statements, explaining that her own paper statements had stopped arriving in the mail more than a year earlier. Looking at her statements, Beverly saw all sorts of charges she said she hadn't made. It was September 2018. Her frustration was building. You've got to get rid of it, she said in an interview. You've got to, you've got to explode. Around that time, she started a diary. I don't wish to hurt anyone, but I must express my feelings on how I'm being used, she wrote in the first entry of the journal, which was filed with FINRA. Every month, 2016 to 2018, thousands and thousands of dollars has been used from my account without my knowledge, Beverly wrote a few weeks later, ultimately estimating the spending at more than $1 million. That winter, a FedEx package arrived with materials about a venture capital fund the bank said Beverly had invested in. The materials described a Cayman Islands-based fund. Another granddaughter who was visiting, Alexis Schottenstein, was alarmed to discover that her nonagenarian grandmother had apparently committed $5 million to it, locked in for many years. Through family friends, Beverly was put in touch with wealth managers at another big bank who reviewed her finances. They found excessive turnover ad hoc security selection, and lots of trades that Beverly said she hadn't approved. The Caymans Fund, it turned out, was only the beginning. Beverly sprung into action in early 2019. She sent Evan and Avi a note, via the bank, to stop trading on her account. She left voice messages for their manager. Hearing nothing for more than a day, she dialed the bank's headquarters in New York, She said she asked to speak with Jamie Dimon, J.P. Morgan's CEO. Someone would get back to her, she said she was told. Then she wrote an amendment to her will and trust. After trusting Evan with her life and estate, she wrote, she now intended to move her estate to an independent advisor. In the amendment, which was later filed with FINRA, she documented the paper shredding and other suspicions. Her will amendment also contained a curious accusation about a safety deposit box she kept at a different bank. She wrote that Evan, or Bobby, who had a key to the box, had removed about $1 million in jewelry, gifts from her late husband, including her seven-carat diamond engagement ring. That was in 2016. The jewelry was still missing, she wrote. The amendment was a placeholder until Beverly could draft a new will. But Alexis, in an effort to help Mrs. Schottenstein, Beverly's lawyers told the FINRA panel, sent her grandmother's five-page amendment to J.P. Morgan. 
Alexis believed that raising a red flag to the bank would spur it to review the account and give it the attention it needed, she said in an interview in January. I thought, as naive as I was, let's get the adults involved, she said. It didn't work out that way. Family relations, already tense, were about to explode. The next day, Beverly was still waiting for bank managers to return her worried calls. She wasn't aware Alexis had raised her allegations to the bank, she said. Bobby rushed through her back door. He told her J.P. Morgan was investigating the claims she'd made in her will amendment. He pushed his mother into a kitchen chair and grabbed a pen and paper, Beverly and Henry said in interviews and in documents filed with FINRA. Bobby began dictating, they said. The accusations are false, read a note that was signed by Beverly, notarized and faxed to the bank. I got upset for no reason. Alexis, who was visiting that day, snapped a picture. Beverly's lawyer submitted the photograph of Bobby standing over his mother as evidence in the FINRA case, along with the note they say her son physically forced her to write. As Beverly began moving her money to another bank, she enlisted lawyers who commissioned the financial study she poured over at her dining room table in June 2019. The document was written in the dispassionate language of a financial analysis, but it confirmed her fears. It appears that Miss Schottenstein's broker sold her these risky, illiquid products without regard for her financial well-being to generate extraordinary income for him and for his employer, the accountant wrote. I wasn't dealing with $25, Beverly said of her decision to pursue her arbitration case. It had to be done. The FINRA hearings kicked off in October 2020 via video because of COVID-19 lockdowns. Beverly rented a computer and hired an IT specialist, who helped as opposing attorneys cross-examined her for 11 hours. She also watched her grandsons on screen during their testimony in front of the panel of three lawyers who served as arbitrators. The proceedings gave Beverly and her lawyers a behind-the-scenes look at how J.P. Morgan handled her accounts, including a concern raised inside the bank along the way. Her paperwork with J.P. Morgan characterized her as an aggressive investor. That could explain trading in instruments the attorneys say were too complex and risky for someone of her age, like $72 million in so-called auto-callable structured notes that were traded in her account in 2014 and 2015, leading to losses the lawyers put at $10 million. Given Beverly's age and the size of her account, alarms should have been ringing inside the bank, said Garrick Tsui, a former investigator for FINRA and the U.S. Securities and Exchange Commission who isn't involved in the case. If you're 90 years old and you're checking aggressive, that's going to raise a flag, Tsui said. I would have interviewed her to assess whether she has the ability to make these decisions herself. Broadly, the bank and Evan argued, Beverly was market savvy and in the loop. J.P. Morgan told the panel that in 2014, four months after Evan and Avi joined the bank, their manager called Beverly he spoke with her about her investment objectives and confirmed her risk tolerance, J.P. Morgan said, citing the manager's notes from the half-hour call. Beverly told him she had been in the markets for more than 10 years and that Evan was doing a great job with her account, according to the filing. The manager verified that she was receiving and reviewing bank statements. But internally, it appears J.P. Morgan in 2015 recognized potential problems investing Beverly's money in instruments such as the auto-callable notes. It blocked Evan from purchasing certain securities for her, the bank told the panel. Evan's manager testified that he talked with the bank's legal and compliance departments about checking Beverly's trades more frequently, 
The bank planned to have calls with her every six months, the manager testified. But Beverly's lawyers told the panel that the bank didn't check in with her after the initial call. Beverly said Evan and Avi weren't transparent about trading on her behalf. They logged more than 500 transactions as direct requests from Beverly in 2015 through 2018 that she didn't know about, her lawyers told FINRA. In all, the brothers' unauthorized buying and selling added up to about $400 million in transactions over the years. Beverly's lawyers told FINRA that about two-thirds of the purchase transactions involved securities whose trading would benefit J.P. Morgan, such as IPOs it was offering or securities for which it was a market maker. Others have leveled similar accusations against J.P. Morgan. An Indiana church, among others, previously alleged that the bank put its own interests ahead of those of clients or beneficiaries, while failing to disclose how much it profited from products it sold. The bank reached an undisclosed settlement with the church. J.P. Morgan also admitted to the SEC and Commodity Futures Trading Commission that it hadn't been transparent enough with clients about how the products it sold generated fees for it. Calling its disclosure weaknesses unintentional, the bank paid more than $300 million to resolve the matter in 2015. Pushing bank products was only part of the problem, Beverly's attorneys Scott Ilgenfritz and Guy Burns told FINRA. Requests for wire transfers came from an email account created in 2014 that bore Beverly's name. But Beverly didn't have a computer and didn't know about the account, she and her lawyers told FINRA. Her monthly statements, the ones that stopped arriving in the mail in early 2017, were sent to that email account. So were mandatory trading disclosures, her lawyers told the panel. The FINRA ruling doesn't specify who created the account. The lawyers also told the panel that Beverly's signature on the paperwork approving the private equity transaction had been forged by Evan or Avi, including on federal tax forms. Evan and Avi denied to the panel that they'd forged her signature. Evan testified he took some liberties with the account, but only in ways that she'd blessed, he said. J.P. Morgan dismissed Evan and Avi shortly before the case was filed, clawing back part of Evan's signing money. It told FINRA that Evan's termination was due to concerns relating to trading activity for the account of a family member and the accuracy of the records. Afterward, Bobby wrote a note to his mother asking her to consider ending her case. His sons had been blackballed from the financial industry, according to the handwritten letter, which was also filed with FINRA. He also apologized for the loss of the jewelry from her deposit box, explaining he had gotten involved in bad business deals. My sons are not criminals, he wrote. Bobby and Carolyn, in a statement sent through their son's attorney, said they are saddened and disappointed by the lies being advanced about us and our sons, without addressing individual allegations. This case was the result of certain family members poisoning Beverly's heart in an effort to obtain control over her estate, they said. We sincerely hope that this family can now begin the process of healing and, in time, can find peace and joy after all of this bitterness and division. Schottenstein Puttup says her family's troubles are the flip side of the good fortune of being born into wealth built by a previous generation. The toxicity of inherited wealth, she says, has divided cousins who were children at the time of the 1990 settlement. We're in our late 30s. My grandma is having to sue them. I'm testifying against them. We're all on this computer. My grandma is going to be 95 soon, Schottenstein Puttup said. I get afraid to go on the elevator to see my grandma because I'm afraid we'll stop at their floor. 
Beverly vacillates between anger, regret, and sadness. I'm all to blame. I should have let it go. This is what they told me, she said of her son's family. Although her children are different, she added, she loves them all. The FINRA panel issued its decision about a week after closing arguments. In addition to finding the bankers and bank liable, the arbitrators ordered J.P. Morgan to pay $4.7 million in damages, as well as refund money invested in the Caymans Fund. Avi was ordered to pay his grandmother about $600,000. Evan was ordered to pay the biggest chunk in damages, $9 million. Family members point out an irony in the entire episode. Sure, Evan and Avi made a few million dollars in salaries, commissions, and bonuses over the years. But what would they have gained by doing pretty much nothing? After all, Beverly, and by extension the family, arguably would have benefited more had she locked in anything near the $20 million that her lawyers told the panel she would have gained through passive investing in blue-chip stocks and indexes. As it was, Beverly's account made a bit more than $8 million over five years, a J.P. Morgan lawyer told arbitrators as part of the bank's argument that Beverly shouldn't receive any damages. Beverly said that though the monetary award was less than she sought, it felt good that the arbitrators decided in her favor on all allegations. It was worth the fight, she added. We were close. The entire family is close. They had no right to steal from their grandmother. If they needed something... Anything, God forbid, that had to be done with money, I was right there. I would help them all the way, Beverly said in an interview before the award was announced. If they were above board, they could have had the world from me. With assistance from Matt Goldman and Neil Weinberg. The countdown has begun. From May 14th to 16th, a thousand global leaders will gather in Doha for the Carter Economic Forum powered by Bloomberg. Join heads of state, influential ministers, and leading CEOs to make new connections, gain unique insights, and uncover valuable opportunities in one of the world's most rapidly rising regions. Request your invite for this exclusive event at QatarEconomicForum.com.